This episode of Strange Assembly is brought to you by www.l5rsearch.com. L5rsearch.com is a comprehensive online L5R card database with tools to assist in optimizing your decks, proxying cards, or simply finding out about unusual cards. Once you know what you need, www.l5rshop.com puts cards in your hands quickly and economically. I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly, Episode 65, Gen Con 2012 Legend of the Five Rings Design Team Interview. Never Stop Gaming. Strange Assembly is a podcast and website about board games, card games, and role-playing games. Legend of the Five Rings, and beyond. Well, welcome to the, I guess now, annual <laughs> Strange Assembly interview with the L5R design team, which is still Brian Reese. I've I've been told that you haven't brought on another partner yet because you just can only fit so much ego in one chat room. <laughs> I can't uh, I can't have anybody you know on par with <laughs> yeah. There's there's too much. But no, I mean I still work with the player design. So they still keep me in check. <laughs> well, let's start with a very uh, broad question about keeping you in check. Certainly, I've kind of pondered and then having gotten here I've heard other here being Gen Con I've heard other people talk about the the overall card power level of Emperor Edition. You'd think I'd remember what edition was. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that that subject? Is the card power level somewhere you like it or ever since Lotus Every arc, people said this is the next Lotus. They said that about Samurai, they said about Celestial, they're saying about Emperor. There's no doubt this uh, Emperor is the, has the most powerful cards as it's been since uh, since Lotus. Uh, but I think there's this fear that we're going to get back to Lotus where my cards are just going to be so broken and over the top. And uh, they have a fear, you know, we're just two sets in and how are we going to do the whole arc uh, when we're, you know, at this level. You know, we learned a lot of lessons from Lotus. Uh, we learned a lot of things not to do that we are not going to repeat. I mean, it, as far as like things like kill actions, one of the big problems with Lotus was the reactionary kill action. So it wasn't like every card of my deck was I kill you. It was half my deck was I kill you. The other half was reaction when you die, I kill something else. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, uh, so I mean, there's still a lot of room to go with Lotus. And we don't really... The power doesn't scale up as much. It certainly does scale up, but it doesn't scale up as much as it scales out because you start with, you know, the arc starts out with incomplete themes. Uh, uh, for the most part, that's not entire. you know, that doesn't fit across the board. But for the most part, uh, you could, if you wanted to make a scout deck or a magistrate deck or whatever, uh, you couldn't fill it just with all magistrates and everything from your deck. You had to do, you had to pick and choose a few other guys. So as as powerful cards come out, the decks get more complete and more filled up. But I mean, there's there's certainly a power level to Emperor. And I won't try to deny it that that Celestial had, and you know we're we're testing it out, seeing what the players think, because it's all about finding that balance, you know, that pendulum swing. And it's very possible that Emperor has swung too far, and with the next base set, we'll need to come back down. So uh, yeah, we're looking at, we're testing it, we're seeing what people think, judging reactions. And when you're talking about the the overall power level of Emperor, 
how much was the decision to go with a higher powered set tied into I guess the decision to have Forgotten Legacy be um <laughs> a, 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 let's say over 9000, right? That's our <laughs> internet meme. Uh I will contest that opinion. I think what Forgotten Legacy is you get a lot of more powerful than normal cards and there's a lot of them. Uh so you look at something like Game of Dice. Yeah, that's not a drastically overpowered card. It's more or less an auto include. There's some decks that don't run it, but it goes in the you know over ninety percent of the decks out there. Um, but o- I mean, overall, the power level of that card isn't really much higher than others. Now, that's not true for all Forgotten Legacy cards. I mean, specifically, when people look at Forgotten Legacy, they look at like the Paragon Action Suite, which is you know the big offender. And so there are some that are, but it's not. It's not Testament Enlightenment. Like, people like to say, oh, well, you know, this is, you know, so much worse than Testament Enlightenment or whatever. Like, no, Testament Enlightenment gave you cards that said, you know, naval battle, three range force. <laughs> and then another card that, you know, reaction when you do a range attack, give it plus three strength and then duplicate it. Right? I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, Forgotten Legacy gave you a whole deck where you came out and it's like, well, as a naval action, I'm going to kill your four guys. And Forgotten Legacy just doesn't have power level anywhere near that. Well, I. I agree that that is an unhelpful comparison to say, oh, is Naval Elemental Arrow better or worse than stuff in Forgotten Legacy? But that doesn't mean that Forgotten Legacy was not, especially on a per card base, you know, the average card is a step above. It was, you know, was above, you know, what it was before. And it's a step above with some like creating order would be one that's, you know, uh, two or three steps above. There's, <laughs> there's, there's no doubt, right? <laughs> And I'm not going to try to argue the point otherwise, but uh, uh, it's not like people look at the creating order, they look at the uh, cast aside the weak, uh, you know, they look at those cards, the Paragon Action Suite, and they're like, you know, all of Forgotten Legacies, you know, over 9,000. It's, it's ridiculous. The most broken by far uh, set. Um, and if you look at it, it's, it's a lot of, I'm making these numbers up, but if the average power level is 5 on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, it's a lot of sixes, six and a half, seven. Uh, and then you get a couple that, you know, get higher than that. Um, but, I mean, if you go through and you actually look at the cards that are just way over the top, uh, and even, I mean, I would consider Elemental Arrow way over the top. But if you look at the cards that are above the rest to, you know, what I would call an uncomfortable level, they're, there's a much fewer number. Uh, you know, Creating Order would probably be one of those. Well, in creating order, it goes to another thing. I don't r- remember if we had just gotten this or how much we, we talked about this last year, but especially cre- creating order is, is not just uh, what, what was your word? uncomfortably uh, above the curve, but it's uncomfortably <laughs> above the curve and has an eternity bug. So we're, so, yeah, it is gonna last we're, we're stuck arc. with some of those for another three and a half, four years, however light is. I Well, I mean, if you look, so let's look at the ones that eternity bug. You get um, Colonial Harbor. Which, again, I don't think that's about... I think that is a solid, solid card that people want to have, but I would not consider that an above the card, you know. I, w- I wouldn't consider that an up here uh, card. Uh, you got Game of Dice, which, again, even though it's included in a lot of decks, much like Traveling Peddler, I wouldn't consider it a card I'm uncomfortable with a power level. And you have uh, Entrenched Position, which, again, I think we can I say... I think that's even gotten played lately. It's, yeah, it's an acceptable power level card, right? Uh, yeah, the Border Keep and Bamboo Harvester experience, um, 
you know, I think they're relatively on par with their with their basic version. Uh, I see a lot of decision making on which version you want to run. And then you have creating orders. So when you look at those six, only creating order is the one where it's like, well, if I had a time machine, I'd probably go back and rethink that one. For the eternity bugs. From a purely from a game design standpoint, is there any benefit to the eternity bug? No, I mean we didn't do the <laughs> we didn't do the eternity bug for AEG. We did the eternity bug because we thought that players were tired of the when their cards came out or when a new set came out, you know, a vast majority of the cards you don't dumpster them, but you put them in a box and they go on your shelf and you don't think about them again for many years until hopefully they come back on a future arc. You know, they more or less, they lose their value. Uh, so the Eternity Bug was a desire to help to rectify that a little. We probably would be doing the Eternity Bug more, except it wasn't uh, accepted well, this podcast included. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, you know, a, you know, it was accepted as AEG is just trying to sell this more and they're just trying to make more money. It's like, well, okay, so. If it's not going to do what we wanted it to do, which is, you know, we were hoping that people would say, like, oh, sweet, my cards last longer. That's cool. And I didn't, I didn't see that reaction. Uh, though, you know, maybe it's just the negative Nancy's that are always talk and own podcasts. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I guess it would feel more like a, oh, you get to have your cards be worth more longer if, if it was, okay, the expansion or most of an expansion or something. And I don't know that from a game design perspective that would even be beneficial to. I mean, there are clearly upsides. There, there, there's a reason, not just difficulty in keeping up with old stuff, but from a, just a gameplay standpoint, there's a reason why cards cycle out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the game would. I mean, that was dipping crazy. our toe in the water. We didn't want to get too aggressive, so that's why we only did the six cards. Um, if it went well, then we'd probably look at doing a larger portion of the card uh, future. But you know, again. It, wasn't received as well. It was received as AEG just trying to squeeze more money. So, well, <laughs> that did not do at all what we wanted. <laughs> okay, well, now you, you mentioned with a game of dice that it's not too much overpowered. I mean, it's a good card, but you know, you said, oh, it goes in 90% of decks. I, don't, I personally at least tend to think it's a bad thing if a card shows up in 90% of decks, that it's a good thing for an environment to have more variety than that, do you have an opinion one way or the other on whether or not it's good, bad, indifferent for you I think know, to have it, cards that show up all the time like that? I mean, I think it's acceptable for a small number of a, of the cards in the environment to be like that. Uh, you know, copper mine or your dragon player, gold mine. Would you mind? Yeah. Would you want gold mine to go away? No, but it shows up in close to a hundred percent of dragon decks. Um, and you can say that for all the clan holdings, traveling peddler. Uh, you know, I think Traveling Peddler is a, a pretty balanced card. Uh, if you go back to Celestial Edition, you had Counting House, which uh, most decks that were not going first military had in there. So, and then now, uh, Game of Dice. Uh, it is kind of funny on Creating Order, while I'm, that's probably the one I would go back and do. That's probably, the, you know, out of Game of Dice, Creating Order, Creating Order shows up in less decks. Shows up in lots of decks, but uh, it does show up in less. Uh, so I, I think it's acceptable to have a small number, but you certainly don't want an environment where uh, you have even a quarter of each deck, or probably even 10%, I don't know, maybe 10% is not the right number, but you know, or you have a certain number of each deck, where these are 
these are the staples. They're going to show up every time I build this deck, or I build any deck, and then from there I start building deck. And I mean, I don't think L5R is that way. I mean, add in one if you can think of one here, but I mean, I think really we're looking at Clan Holdings, Peddler, and create, Creating Order to some degree, and then uh, Game of Dice. Yeah, well, I think the I thought about that because somebody started a is Hitako broken sort of thread and and with a entirely unhelpful <laughs> Chagatai uh, comparison. <laughs> that's how we, when you go to the extremes, you get a lot of respect. <laughs> it, it's, always, yeah, it probably always if you're talking about the power level of something to avoid. Yeah, it's probably not Chagatai or Warns of the One Tribe or Lotus Edition right, or. It? Or, or whatever. It's sort of it's the L five R equivalent of the first person to bring up Hitler in an argument loses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you, if what you have to do is go to the point where you say, oh well, you know, in my I'm not saying my the guy I'm arguing with is Hitler, but in these ways he does the same things Hitler does. It's like yeah, you've lost that argument. It's a similar thing. It's like I'm not saying this is Lotus Edition, but look at these cards. These cards belong in Lotus Edition. Just saying. It's like yeah, you've probably lost. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I and I just, and. and I, I guess the the observation I had made in in that thread was like, well, yeah, to me at least, Hataco shows up in too many decks, and it's not a good thing if not that this is it, it's becoming less the case. But if she's showing up in say half of all military decks as a clan aligned personality, well, that's to me that's that's reaching a level where I don't like that she's uh, that, that any personality showing up that much, and so that but that was the that was yeah. where that no, I mean, Hitako is a mistake. Like, if I could go back and redo Hitako, I would. Uh, but she's out there, and now you got to judge. It's like, okay, well, what now what do you do? Do you actually issue some kind of errata to deal with it? Or now you know, now you got to make a judgment from where we are today. But, you know, if I, if I had a time machine, I'd probably go back and redo Hitako. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not perfect. <laughs> as much as I like to pretend I am. Uh I think the most common request that I have gotten for questions to ask you go on the other end of the power level. And I have some more specific ones, but let me do the most, let me paraphrase the most broad one. Um, What are you going to do to make Spider not be terrible? Because there seem to be a lot of angry Spider players out there right now. Uh, Yeah, I mean, clearly Spider is below the curve. I'm not going to try to pretend otherwise. You know, they're not performing as well as we would want them to. You know, as playtest was going on, this was starting to get picked up that that their results show, were showing that Spider was underperforming. So we do have some stuff coming down the pipe. Uh, hopefully we'll see some of it. I mean, we see uh, Decay. Oh, Shadows Embrace, you got, for the Spider Ninja deck specifically, you got the new Ambush for gold, and they get to sneak attack. So, I mean, you have some you have some good cards coming out. Hopefully it'll be enough to get them. Uh, I mean, they do have competitive decks. The Spider Ninja deck is not easy to play, but it did win a Kotai, and it did uh, top two and a few others, and top four and a few others. So uh, they do have Kotai-worthy decks, but uh, it, it's it's no secret that they are not where they should be, and we've tried to give them some cards and some tools to bring them up to where they should be. Now it'll just be see how the dust settles and see if it worked or not. Yeah, I, I wonder if one of their themes that, you know, you mentioned Paragons, who has all sorts of great stuff, and their Paragons has been the bottom of that, and I I wonder, have you had some difficulties aiming Paragon cards specifically at the Spider? Like, you look at Overcoming Adversity, 
in Shadows Embrace, and you're like, oh, clearly this this looks like it's designed to be a Spider Paragon card. But then all the Shiro Chugo decks are just like, oh, I'll just put this in here too. <laughs> Have you found that to be a a problem when when designing for the Spider Paragons? Um, yeah, I mean, Shiro Chugo does get to borrow the the Paragon actions from the Spider more than we had anticipated. Uh, I mean, we knew that they'd have that they'd have Paragon stuff, and obviously, we gave them the honor loss uh, protection on their own stronghold. But we, you know, we did think it was going to be a Yojimbo deck primarily, and you know, clearly, that is not how it's panned out. Like the Yojimbo is very much an afterthought. <laughs> you know, it is. It is the pair. It is the Scorpion Paragon deck, and uh, you know that is it is what it is. It does. Pre- I mean, it does prevent. Uh, it does create design challenges, but you know, just you just got to figure out new ways of like. Okay, well, we can't make the Scorpion one any better, but we need to make sure it's like all right. So how do we do this so Spider can do this, but Scorpion can't? And and there are ways to do that. And I'm not even saying that we even need to go to that level. To where we have to make sure that hey, Spider can play with this one, but it'll be really painful. Scorpion does. Uh, I'm not saying that we are at that level, but I'm just saying that you know, if we did want to do that, there are there are ways to do it. And it certainly provides design challenges, but you know, every you know, when you have what 38 themes now, you know, everything provides design <laughs> challenges. And I mean, we make 38 themes, but how many of the decks out there have nothing to do with our theme? I think John Seals. Uh, I was playing a deck that uh, that Chuckles called the you know Fu design, deck. <laughs> and it was like unicorn Shiginja paragons out of the follower box or something like that. Uh, you know, something I was like, yeah, uh, we definitely that's not one of our themes, but if that's what worked, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think unicorn I think has had a a good amount of of mix on it. Often, yeah, it seems like often. <laughs> Out of the yeah, the tactician boxes or the follower box that doesn't actually require you to have commanders or followers to use it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was all sort of intentional when we were uh, when we were doing it. We wanted to make sure that we were keeping it open enough, so it wasn't a okay. Here's your commander box. Here's the deck you must play out of. You know, here's your tactician box. Here's the deck you must play out of it. We definitely wanted to make sure it was open to allow the uh, creativity. Yeah, the players well, I know- to shine through. Yeah, Greg Wong, I remember, wrote something recently about, you know, somebody asked him, like, oh, why did you decide to build your Kensei deck like this? And he was like, well, first, I don't sit down and build a Kensei deck. I sit down and build a deck, and maybe it happens to have Kensei in it, but <laughs> right. I don't automatically pigeonhole yourself in like that. You know, because he's, you know, Greg's always got the, I think he's got the, I've got, you know, one monk in here, and then this <laughs> Paragon, and then. Yeah, and big attachments, big guys, like, I was joking with Greg at one of the tournaments where it's like you're the only guy I know who runs the big holding scheme and still runs other holdings. Like, you know, people run the eight, six, or fives, and, you know, maybe three small bars or whatever. You know, they run a small number of old. No, he runs that, plus he still runs gold mines and other two for twos. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I think Prosperous helps with Prosperous that. Prosperous helps. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one. That's that, one. Uh, before I forget him, we're on the. The spider, there, I think ever since things have been announced, there have been some spider players who have complained that they didn't get a non-military theme. And I'm guessing that if there had not been an announcement that we're making a point of everyone getting a non-military theme, 
Oh, except, sorry, Spider, we didn't have anything for you. I don't know if anybody would even have noticed that as a as a particular point, like, oh, why didn't we get one? So when you go back and look at that, either that announcement or the decision for Spider's Four Themes to not include, I guess it would be some sort of courtier theme, you know, is there something you'd do over in that way? or uh, Not in the themes. Uh, Spider, with what they were doing in the story of this arc, they weren't going to have anything that you know wasn't military. Uh, so I wouldn't do that over again. Uh, the announcement, yeah, I mean maybe maybe we could have handled that a better way. Because yeah, I mean it, you, you're probably right, right? If we hadn't uh, if we hadn't said anything, then Spider players would have just gone ahead with uh, you know with, oh this is a par for the course. <laughs> but when we actually come out and say, you know, like, hey, you know, great news, everyone, except Spider, uh, we, got, <laughs> you know, we got all this stuff, then, yeah, then we just simply, you know, we, we put a spotlight on it. Maybe that was a mistake, I don't Probably. War of Honor tomorrow will have a storyline tournament, which I think will be the first War of Honor storyline tournament since the last you know, Gen Con Worlds cycle. War of Honor, I know your favorite. I Well, <laughs> I'd like... I like the game War of Honor. I just... You know, as anybody who's listened to the podcast knows, I just... You know, when you have a, a group of people going into that are... You're going to make up a quarter of the field in a tournament who have already decided that they're going to work together. It's like, okay, well, that's kind of pointless. Well, when you look, I mean, there there are people out there who prefer to play L5R multiplayer, or at least enjoy playing L5R multiplayer. They like it. And uh, we need, you know, we need to provide them a War of Honor tournament. We try to provide it for them every year since it's come out. Last year. Uh, <laughs> and um, so then so then the decision is, like, do we provide them a tournament and then say, hey, here's your War of Honor tournament. What's at the end of it? Some product. Yeah, see you later. Uh, or do we not, or do we say there is no War of Honor tournament? Or do we say, okay, there is a War of Honor tournament, it is multiplayer, it is what it is, and provide them the support, and yes, uh, it is possible that, uh, like last year, quite a few, but I mean, even if you look at uh, last year, you know, half of the final table was not, you know, those, you know, was not from that group. And actually, only one guy from that group, uh, Scott Hadsall, was actually Dynasty in that, uh, you know, AJ was neither Straw Dogs nor Dynasty. So he was not, I think he was recruited like the night before or whatever. Yeah. To be part of their cause. But, uh, you know, it was by far no guarantee. And I mean, half of it what had nothing, half that final table had nothing to do with the uh, yeah. collusion. Yeah. And coincidentally, they just happened to be brothers. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they obviously came up through completely different paths to get there. So, yeah. Well, I guess that wasn't, that wasn't really where I was going with the War of Honor question. I just, I remember when War of Honor was was launched there were there was talk about trying to make it somehow part of Cote season like you might have side offense or the and it and that hasn't happened so I, I didn't know if did that just end up being too difficult to work out and well yeah it wasn't I mean we wanted to hopefully do it for uh, last year and it just it literally wasn't feasible last year. I don't even think it was out last year. Uh then we wanted to do it this year. Uh but it was pretty crazy because, you know Colson left. Uh, our new events coordinator, Daniel Briscoe, came on, came online, and there was a lot to get him up and running. There's just a lot to learn about the job and how to do it. And the Kotai season is a really big thing. And it's just, uh, okay, Briscoe, you know, 
here's all the stuff. We need, you need to learn how to do this. You need to learn how to do this. And also, we're changing up a whole different bunch of things. That, and we're also going to, you know, test the waters. It's just uh, you got to take a little bit more measured approach. Um, so, I mean, with any luck, I, I would still like to see that. Because I think, I think War Honor is fun. I don't, I don't play it too often, but I'll play it every once in a while. And uh, uh, just a different take on uh on a way to play L five R and um you know, if we can get it if we can get it more than just the once a year at Gen Con and actually it was at uh European Championships last year too. Yeah. Uh then that would be great. I'd love to see it. Yeah. Uh, has and actually sorry, don't mean to but to counter your point, but at the European Championships last year, uh there was a storyline it was a storyline tournament, it was a War of Honor tournament, and there wasn't any of the uh, you know, a quarter of the field, half the field, or whatever, all came in with it. You know, they just they just all came in. They all did what they wanted, wanted to. You know, they all had their individual goals, and then the guy who won won. Though I think there was a little collusion at the end because it was like a really, really nice guy that was always Ronin, but because he always played Ronin, dedicated Ronin, he was clearly never going. And this was his one chance to finally get a storyline turn, and he actually made it to the final. So I think that there might have been. I think I heard rumors about there being something there, but uh, but the point being that it wasn't, you know, like oh, we stacked this field with. Yeah, well, that's I, yeah. to me at least that's different because it is it is a multiplayer game. There is going to be kingmaking. Yeah, that's just right. an inherent part of it. It just and maybe I I don't know that I could necessarily rationally explain in a great way why it feels different. It just feels different to me if it's something that is arranged prior to the tournament as opposed to within the scope of an individual game, stuff comes up. It's, okay, you've annoyed me. I'm not going to win, but I'm, by God, I'm going to make sure you're not going to win. Or, oh, right. I, you know, you've, you, you're you know, a really great guy who's always getting second at Kote. Let's, you know, let you get the, the win this time. Right. You, you know, you're the, you're the guy who's so nice and, he always, and he'll never have a chance. This is your one chance. Yeah, I, I mean, and I, in generally, I don't know where you stand on it, but I, I mean, I don't even like the the current floor rule policy that says people can't just prize splits and have somebody scoop at the the end of a tournament. So. Um, yeah, I mean, there we get. Let's get into uh, another topic. Yeah, uh, I've talked to Bishko about this, and actually, uh, we talk. We have differing opinions. Uh, we're going to talk more about it because, yeah, I mean, I. Coming from players, you know, I have often done the player says, hey, you know, I don't really want to play this out. I'm not going Gen Con anyway. Uh, you can have the seed if I can have the prize, and then we'll play it out. Who wins, wins. Personally, I don't have any issue with that. Um, that is not at all the decision for what's best for the company or the game or whatever. But, you know, personally, I just I don't have any issue with it. Because, you know what, if, if you're not going to Gen Con, and the other guy doesn't care about the product or or whatever or the story or product or whatever, you know. Let's split up and then play it out to see who gets the real champion instead of one guy being forced to concede, uh, in order so the other guy can get the champion. And then they gotta, well, no one's looking or whatever. Do it anyway, because they are just you know they are going to do what they want to do. They'll just have to make you know make sure that they do it while you know while the TO isn't looking. Um. So, yeah, I mean that that's my feeling on it. But again, that's all personal. It is in no way what's necessarily best for the game. Okay. I'm going to pause the recording right now so that we don't choke on the file size, but we'll be back in a jiff.
Well, as you can tell, listeners, we are now back with the quote-unquote design team interview. <laughs> An army of one. There you go. No, I shouldn't say that. The PDT is very, very important. Well, you can you know you can always bring them to these too. I don't, I don't uh, even know they who's were on it anymore. Um, <laughs> it, well, it's still it's been the same PDT for a long time. Still Duncan from you know when I joined PDT back in 2006, and then uh, Loki who's been on forever, and then uh, Thomas Kwong, uh, yeah, in the world. And uh, if they were here, they'd be here with me. But uh, sadly, none of them could make it this Gen Con. Yeah. Well, so let's go through and and try to. Well, actually, let me, before I go ahead, so Seeds of Decay is getting handed out as some prize support here at Gen Con? Uh, getting handed out at the 10,000 card party, and it uh, is going on sale tomorrow at the booth. Okay. I don't have a clue, but what in Seeds of Decay are you excited about? Seeds of Decay was so long ago for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really excited about the uh, about the Stronghold. I'm interested to see how how they're going to uh, pan out. I'm glad to see. I'm glad that the the weapon cycle will be done and everybody will have their uh, their celestial weapon. But no, I mean obviously the the strongholds are going to be the big one, particularly the mantis. I'm curious to see how that how the re- reaction from the players and how the uh, how the dust settles on that one. Uh, I think that that one could be a lot of fun. I mean, all the strongholds are going to be exciting, but the mantis one is. Uh, uh, Trevor says they need. To, Trevor says they need a scout box. They get a new scout box. <laughs> uh, maybe I mean, it could be a scout box. I can't say at this point. Oh wait, wait, it's going <laughs> on. <laughs> wait, it's going on sale tomorrow. <laughs> By the time Sorry, anyone hears this, <laughs> anyone hears this, no, it is. Uh, yeah, no, no, I can't tell you. <laughs> um, no, no, it's not a new scout box. As you, the viewer, will have, or the listener <laughs> will have already known, it's uh, it's an attempt to bring back raiding without doing all the bad things that raiding did to the game, and I think we successfully did it. Uh, we paid a lot of attention to it in playtest, so so we'll see. So does that mean we're going to be getting back a new uh, face down ninja box too, as you try to save that <laughs> mechanic? Please uh, don't. <laughs> yes, actually, we spent uh, the scorpion box. That's what it was. Um, it it wound up not being that. Uh, we wound up not going with that. But yes, we tried every single possible way to bring back ninjutsu. Because the pro- the biggest problem that I think ninjutsu always had was it was not battle, I flip up and hurt you. It was reaction, I react to your action, flip up, hurt you, cancel your action, uh, introduce incredibly annoying timing windows and rules confusion. Um, but this, yeah, so instead of it was, you know, you target me, I react, I flip up, I do bad things too. It was just you target me, you do whatever. You know, you're playing Russian roulette, which am I, you know, you know I have a, a bad guy out there, which one of it is, is it? And you're trying to guess appropriately, and then I flip up and do my bad things too. So it was, I bring my ninjas out, they're all face up, you can see what they do. When we go to battle, after we, you know, when we go to assign to battle, that's when we flip down and then I assign. Uh, it had it was something to do with that. So you didn't know where I signed which ninjas to where. So you still were doing the guessing game that you had to do. Because uh, I mean that's what ninjutsu is: is pl- hiding in plain sight and then flipping a car over. That's the perfect way. But it just it sadly didn't work out, and attachments sort of become a problem at that point. Um, <laughs> and, I mean clearly that didn't work. And then there's ongoing game state effects. So it's like all right, well. All your ninjas are face down, but which one has the minus four bo- penalty that my Temple of Purity gave it? <laughs> and, you know, which one has the 
if I destroy them in battle resolution, I gain an extra point of honor or whatever. You know, I know that's not actually a card, but you know those types of game state effects. Like, because I still get to know that. It's like, okay, so now the ninja box turn off all ongoing effects and do this and this. And it got it got <laughs> you, to be too much. And you can't turn off Temple of Purity. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it, it is this okay that uh, some outliers still existed, but. It, I mean, the hench, it's like, okay, we have all those ninjas, but one of those is a Colot. <laughs> or, you know, like the hench is like, okay, well, I'll make one a Colot and one a sh- one Chatelain. So, sadly, it didn't work out. But, yes, I did. I did. Do, and it was funny. As I was designing it, I knew I, the first thing I was going to have to do is write an apology to the players as I was designing Seasons of K. As I was attempting to bring back both raiding and Ninjitsu, it's like, I swear I'm not trying to bring back Lotus. I think these were good ideas that were implemented poorly. Could have been implemented better. Um, <laughs> Next up, Warrens of the One Drug. Yeah, part exactly. Two. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I mean, I think, I think the errata on Woot was about as much as you could do to it. Uh, and no, I mean, I don't have a desire to bring back Woot or Cole Wall just to. It's like, I think the rating was a cool mechanic. I think it was just implemented improperly. So we'll see if we got it right this time. Well, uh, see, that's a shame, because I like the... A fixed coal wall is something I find more... It's, oh, there's all these celestials and events and regions that are out there, and you can play with four of them or something like that, and it's a functional thing that would actually let cram a bunch of those into the deck. I like that aspect of coal wall, is that you can yeah. make a deck where you actually played with 15 different regions. I, I Again, obviously... The, the version of it that yeah 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 I mean, the 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 posts are added not the you know not the nine man coal wall version <laughs> coal eight yeah yeah coal yeah it was eight wasn't even nine huh oh yeah our our local friend Sean Raycraft uh, he played nine but I think the common version was eight because he played one time strong <laughs> <laughs> but everyone else yeah played eight eight guys in their deck <laughs> uh okay. And so we've talked about Spider already, but let's just go through the remainder of the clans and just in a very generic way, let's start with what, what was your favorite thing about what you've done with that clan in Emperor Edition and what's your your least favorite thing? Something that ended up being way too good, something that ended up being lousy that you didn't want it to be. And it's me, so we'll start with, with Alpha. We'll just go alphabetically and start with Crab. All right, so Crab, I really like the Yasuki. Like, I have a lot of fun with that deck. Uh, I know not everybody likes it, but it's interesting, it's new. I've never had a ton of fun playing Crab, because just the, I'm bigger than you, you can't, you know, that is some people's cup of tea, it's not bigger, it's not me. So I really like the Yasuki. Uh, for what I would dislike one way or another, I mean, obviously Crab is above the power curve. Yeah, I mean, just sort of a general toning down. I mean, duty to the Crab is obviously a big, a big aspect of that, so, you know. If duty to the crab could be redone, I don't know, it would probably take a lot of work in crab to bring down duty to the crab, but make sure that the crab clan then didn't just get shut off. So, yeah, I mean, that would probably be my regret. Would be, uh, uh, you know, they're they're just, they're too far above the curve. Uh, Not to any, you know, old school unicorn at the end of samurai above the curve level, (laughs) but, but, uh, you know, they certainly are doing better than the rest. All right, well, Crane, I'm I'm sure it's going to be hard to come up with what you would have wish you had done better with Crane. Oh, Crane, I think we've done perfect. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> crane players are out there. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, Crane, obviously, they're not doing as well as we wanted to. Uh, I think the biggest regret for me for Crane is um, I do like the new dueling rules. I think we did that right. 
but I don't think we got dueling right. Um, I wish we'd done a little bit better job on dueling, because clearly, I mean, dueling is just not, it's an afterthought in, in most people's, uh, in most people's decks. Uh, but I, I mean, I do like the, uh, I do like the Otomo box. I like the favor stuff that feels very kind, then, you know, I get a bunch of favors, and then I can swap out these favors to, to get other little benefits, so I think we did a pretty decent job there. Yeah, and just to, to confirm, because I've seen this, is it tr- true or false you deliberately screwed Crane to punish them for embassy? <laughs> Clearly it's true. <laughs> uh, just like we you know, punish Unicorn and Celestial Edition for Samurai. Uh, it is true. Whatever your favorite clan is, AEG hates it. Uh, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Uh, no, I mean, clearly we don't punish. I mean, I think what people probably pick up on is everything's a pendulum swing. Uh, so when you, yeah, when you have something like Embassy, which was really powerful, um, you are, we're probably subconsciously a little bit more hesitant, uh, when we go to design the next stuff. So it is in no way a AEG's out to screw AEG, but, uh, I, I, I won't deny that there's probably some subconscious hesitancy. Uh, when you uh, when you are dealing with a clan that was just you know over the top the previous, you're like, well, we want to be careful and make sure that we get it right this time, uh, which could you know probably let us to being a little bit more conservative than we would have been otherwise. Okay, dragon. Uh, dragon. Well, I think I'll repeat what I said for Celestial, which I was monks were better. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying. Uh, we just obviously don't have the formula correct for monks, so we're gonna have to. We're gonna be. We have been, and are going to continue to be evaluating the dragon monks to figure out why we have not had them where we wish we had them for two arcs now. I mean, they weren't bad throughout all of Celestial Edition, but they were on the lower lower half of the spectrum for throughout most of it. I got to play. No uh, I played monks last Gen Con. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was it, it wasn't it wasn't all one big uh, empty spot for Celestial Edition. Um, it pretty much has been all one big spot so far in Emperor. I think for Dragon Monk, and that's unfortunate because I really like the monks. And you know, it's just one we haven't gotten right yet. We haven't figured out the proper formula to make them work in the environment. Um, for what we like about them, uh, like Kensai, though it's sort of a like you know love hate that you know it, you know probably. Probably a little bit too high on the power curve. Nothing. That's unbeatable or anything, but clearly when the Dragon Kensai pulled down as many wins uh, as they did, that maybe they're a little too good. But it is nice to see that Kensai is finally coming in. You know, uh, when it came out at the end of Samurai, it really didn't do much. Um, then throughout a good, healthy portion of Celestial, wasn't really doing much. And then now, uh, now with Emperor Edition, that it is nice to see that the Dragon Kensai are finally getting their light. Day in the sun. Yes, yes. I uh, helped along, I imagine, by you know, Wormbone and uh, Cursed Relic, which have produced no end of commentary. So what do you think about the... We're going to interrupt our, our sure. sequence there. What do you think about the the whole weapons versus follower thing. I know I have a point that a large part of that is just, well, there aren't followers that are as good as Wormbone and, and Cursed Relic, but what do you think about the relative status of those two attachments? If we're types? just talking about the mechanical base, um, I don't see followers as any weaker as weapons. They both have the restrictions. Weapon, uh, you can only have, assuming Kensai, two attached, um, or followers, you can have more than that. Not saying that you want to be have that option, but followers, you get the... Uh, 
uh, you get the uh, honor requirement um, restriction. So, I mean, they both, just at a pure mechanical level, not even looking at any of the cards yet, I mean, they both have their relatively similar restriction. Um, and, I mean, clearly with how they interact with other mechanics, the range attack, it's a toss-up whether the follower or the weapon is a better protection for you from range attack. Uh, and then when you get into the, the cards, I mean, just obviously Wormbone and Cursed Relic are better than uh, some of the followers uh, that are out there. And, I mean, you get you get cards like Champion of Thunder, which is amazing. Uh, but, uh, you know, followers just don't don't have the uh don't have the assortment that uh that uh, weapons have the Zark, so it is what it is. Hey, uh with Dragon Monks, one of the things that has tied uh, last arc and this one together is that in both cases they had and, and I'm sure my listeners who are, are uh familiar <laughs> with this, that you had the fire token thing and you had the random elemental keyword kicker Thing, and neither of those really seems to have gelled over the course. I mean, it didn't really gel in Emperor, and it, it has not gelled so, sorry, in Celestial, and it has not gelled so far in Emperor. What do you think about those two sub-themes, and where are you going to make, do you think those actually do work fine now, and we just haven't picked up on it, which happens sometimes, <laughs> and uh... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Leon made this little sticker for everyone who's not in the room looking at this. Uh, he made this little sticker that says, it's not broken, you just need to play better. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and maybe there's something I, I, I haven't... No, no, right I, now I, I, I haven't seen seeds, so maybe you... No, 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 I don't think it's that. I don't... I'm, I'm not that arrogant to think that I got it right and all you were wrong. Uh, we we attempted to do a little fix on the random elemental keyword with the Temple of the Elements. Uh, so you can pick up the keyword that you need for that turn. That clearly has not been enough of a fix, because, again, the monks aren't doing it as well, and we've been, we've been looking at other things. And hopefully the new dragon, uh, the dragon monk box, which, uh, well, as you will know by the time you hear this, as a limit, it gives you a fire token, a plus one force fire token. Then as a battle, you... I don't have it in front of me, so I'll have to, actually, I do have it in front of me if I want to, but... But just to make sure like I'm gonna say what it is and then I'll get it wrong because I'll been thinking of a playtest version. But it, I believe it's a battle uh destroy fire token to get a plus uh to do a ranged five. Um so hopefully with the repetitive fire token destruction on there uh creation, excuse me, on there and then and then a good battle action kill kill action on it. Hopefully we will start seeing some um some movement there on the uh, on the dragon stuff. If you want to get away from the chaining action, just go more really directly down towards the fire token. So uh, we'll see. We are we are trying. Uh, we are trying to uh, to move it along and to get it to a place where where it's good again. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. Everything. Whenever we have something in play, test it always. Uh, there's a hundred something, hundred to two hundred play testers, uh, or you know that's nothing compared to the size of the L5R player base, and uh, you know everything we think we find in play tests, like the players once they get their hands on it, they always find new ways to. Yeah, what is that? The uh, b- b- before a 
before there's been a tournament game in an environment, the the L five R community has probably played substantially more games in that you know four week period than you could possibly do with the playtesters. Right. In the yeah. Year. I mean, when you ag- exactly when you aggregate just how many L five R players are now examining and testing and trying index and uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, that thirty day waiting period uh, in the hands of the players. Would get gets a ton more information than we could possibly ever even hope to with a playtest session. I mean, even the, even if we were, uh, you know, in a different. Uh, let's see, I just pulled up here. Yeah, destroy fire token to do a range five. So yeah, uh, yeah, the the plus one fire token that you hand out has to be to one of your tattooed dude. So you're not going to be handing out, uh, you know, I'm putting it on my kensei. Yeah, you're not going to be putting fire tokens on your kensei anytime <laughs> soon. Further diverging from the 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 path I said we were going to do, if I recall correctly, the participation per cote this season is up by I don't know, seven or eight people from last year, and which was up yeah. a couple of people from the year before that. To what do you accredit this success? Well, clearly to my brilliance. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, even I can't pretend to be that arrogant. Um, you know, I do think that we have a team working on L5R. Uh, there's always been great people working on L5R, but I don't know if we've, at least since I've been around, uh, and part of things, that we've had a team on L5R that loves and cares about L5R as much as we have. And I do think whether you, you know, d- regardless of whether your feelings are on the Emperor Edition, you know, what you're frustrated with or whatever, I do think that Emperor Edition as a product overall is probably the best that L5R has ever been. The look is amazing. Uh, the story is great. Uh, Nico, the brand manager, pulls it all together uh, with amazing packaging. Just the product itself is as good, if not better, than it's ever been. And so, I mean, I think it really is a factor that, I mean, L5R is is really doing well right now. Um, it is a good time to be working AEG on the L5R project. <laughs> Um, you know, we, we never, we just had a meeting at 7 a.m. this morning. That was fun. Uh, and talking about everything we're doing wrong. Right. So, I mean, even when we were having one of a, a high time for L5R, we had a meeting this morning to talk about everything we're doing wrong that we could improve. Um, and I think that might be sort of where the difference is. And it, and it shows when, when you have that up top, it, it does come down and trickle down and it shows through things like the Kotai attendance, uh, which historically have always been. Up with a new with a new set, and then takes a dip in the second year of an arc, and then it comes back up and takes a dip. But uh, I think this is our third or fourth year in a row of constant improvement in attendance, or at the very least, never taking that dip. It's at least the third, I think, because well, 2011 had one or two more people per cote. I think a couple more people per yeah, cote than 2010 did. Yeah, and 2011 would have been the year where normally, I mean, especially because Celestial Edition was so long, and yeah. uh, normally we would have had a uh, about a 10 to 20% dip. So if the average attendance was, you know, six, uh, 60 or 70, it would have gone down to, you know, 54 or so, or, you know, 64, somewhere in there. Um, and then, so the fact that it was actually even up just a little little tick was actually pretty amazing. Uh, I think that might have been the first time in L5R's at least recorded history that I'm aware of that the second year of an arc was not only not a dip, but actually an increase. Yeah. You mentioned a meeting you had this morning about uh, your failures as a human being. 
<laughs> and uh, and so I'm sure that high on the list of your regrets as a person is that your uh, L5R board game, The Art of War, is just never going to see the light of day. Tell us how bad that makes you feel. Uh, so when I first came on to AEG many moons ago, five years ago, uh, I said, hey, so what's going on with Art of War? And they're like, well, it's it's not it's not ready. It's being put on the back burner. It was never a canceled project. Uh, and so I've been, and at one point I even pitched, like, hey, I would like to redesign Art of War. But Z, uh, the CEO, was more aware than I was that I wasn't ready to work on that. Uh, well, <laughs> he was. Uh, well, fast forward some time, and it is time to start working on Art of War again. So we have been working on it. I uh, don't have any time skills for you now, but we've been working on it. Myself, along with uh, Jeremy Hulk, uh have been designing the new Art of War board game. Uh, and I do say new, because we took the old game. Uh, we weren't happy with it. It was four years old. There was a lot of good, a lot, a lot of good stuff about it. But uh, four years on, you know, it would be, if, if I could go back and redo Emperor Edition, what would I redo now? It was one of those scenarios. We actually had that opportunity. Uh, so we have been redesigning, we have been tweaking, uh, we got a lot of cool stuff coming out, and it is, it is on the path to come out, and it is the number one priority that's not L5R for the company, so, uh, this isn't, uh, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it, this is a, uh, it is actually, you can start looking for, for information coming out about it again. Uh, soon, and I'm anybody who knows me knows how stubborn it is. There's no way I'm letting happen <laughs> to what happened before. Uh, and Jeremy is just as stubborn as I am, which is why we work so well and so bad together. <laughs> but it's great. He as he talks about we have two we have two modes. Either we're right on par, right next to each other, exactly with what we want on something, or we're just in completely different building on what we want. Like there is no middle ground. Uh, on what we want for it, so uh, it's been a fun challenge, but it's uh, uh, it's coming. I'm, I'm really excited about it. I've been playing it a whole bunch, and it's a lot of fun. And we actually have a, uh, uh, I mean, tell you, we have a uh, a prototype de- copy here, which no, no one is going to be able to play. But you won't know about this until after, <laughs> after it's too late anyways. Uh, and we've been working on it quite a bit while we're here, too, while we're all face-to-face. And there's been some flights where Jeremy's flown down to where I live, and Z's flown up to where I live, and we're going to have a couple more where we, you know, all meet in the same room and and get some work done. So this isn't just a, uh, oh yeah, it'd be nice if we, you know, finally got that off. It's a, this is what I'm knocking on in case you can't <laughs> hear that. It is a, a good to go project that that you you should be hearing some more information about before too long. Okay. Well, now I'd make more of that, but I'm I'm looking at the clock, and since God help us, we actually have a schedule here today. Let's try to I'm gonna try to get us through that thing I said I was gonna do with the clan. So let's okay, Lion. Let's rap- like we'll do a rapid fire lightning round. <laughs> uh, so Lion, I love the terrain stronghold. Like Lion is also one for me that I have. Uh, it's never been my cup of tea. Just like the crab, I'm bigger than you, and you can't touch me. It's never really been too interesting to me personally. Um, Lion's sort of the same. Like, I've never liked playing par- uh, paladins in D&D and everything like that. Uh, 
I'm super honored, which I guess is just a samurai, right? So I guess I'm saying that I don't really like the samurai. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's never been the, like, oh, I always do what's right because it's right, and I do what's right, and it's right. Uh, it's just never had any interest to me. But I love the the new line stronghold, the the tactician, uh, excuse me, the uh, terrain box. So, I think, I mean, that is where I am happy with. Um, what I'm unhappy with, Lion, uh, probably deals more with the uh, Paragon Suite uh, from from Forgotten <laughs> Legacy. Because uh, I, th- I mean, I think Lion's in a pretty decent place. Uh, I'm not sure how much we've. I mean, their scouts are good. Uh, their tactician. I guess maybe tactician. Uh, I wish the tactician deck would just be a tactician deck and not a supplement for something else. <laughs> I'm going to um, play my Paragon deck yeah. in the tactician box. Yeah, so I can exactly. draw a few extra cards. Exactly. And I mean that. I mean that's fine. I mean that's a cool way that the players have, you know, have taken the tools and said. And when we say, "Hey, here's here's four ways to do it," they say, "No, like this. There's more ways to do it, and we'll do it better than you thought there was going to be." <laughs> Uh, and that's cool. We always want to make sure they have that. Uh, rapid fire through these. So Mantis uh, dislikes scouts. Right? Scouts are not where I want them to be. Like I thought it would be cool. Basically, the combining range attacks coming back. Uh, that has not worked out to where I want to be. Yeah, um, I gotta say I dislike the Kalani's landing more. I just you know the the massive amounts of free gold. I love I love Kalani's landing. That's so much fun. But the the um, just the massive economic engine that they have. Um, that's probably the thing I regret with the uh, with Mantis. But Kalani's Landing is also what I love with Mantis and what I'm happy about. <laughs> like the Kalani's Landing, the Magistrate, I pay gold to do stuff that they do. Uh, I do like that sort. I just wish I was using more of the tools that we had wanted to use and not just the, hey, look, I can get a dumb amount of gold. I'm going to basic lesson out the Shadow Dragon. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, clearly that's a failure on my part, not on it, not on anyone else's. Um, Mantis Phoenix, uh, Phoenix. I wish the Yojimbos were better. Uh, I wish actually no, the monk, the monk box. Uh, I mean, I think Henshins are getting to a decent place now, but they don't play out of the Henshin box. Um, in playtest, we had a few different versions of that Henshin box, and that was the one that you see print is the one that wound up going to print. Um, so maybe that wasn't the right one to print. Because uh, it just hasn't seen the play. Uh, I thought it was very flavorful, the whole being reborn and whatnot, and the, you know, Agent Smith from the Matrix, you know, dying, and, <laughs> and, you know, the homeless guy just taking over his body. But, yeah, I wish that was better, but it is what it is. Uh, what I do like, I'm still happy that there's just, you can play a military spell deck. Like, <laughs> until Celestial, I mean, until City of Tears, like, that just, the the notion of that was just laughable. Uh, I remember near the in the Samurai edition, it was on podcast. Maybe yours, maybe maybe Roku Marts. I don't know Roku Cast. But I, knowing that City of Tears was going to come out, I was saying, you know, I think that there will be a deck that runs twenty spells in it. Um, and I was being like, I thought it was more than that, but I didn't want to just get completely laughed off the stage. <laughs> and I was laughed off the stage as it was for saying that twenty. And I'm glad we're to a point now where I mean, twenty is just a yeah, yeah, I run 20, like that's a low number. Yeah, I was going to say, I actually have a a Phoenix spell deck here. I It was a little sad, I, I went out and made the non-human deck, and then apparently everyone else did too. <laughs> yeah. Quelsa and the new Ryu thing are just <laughs> too, <Yeah>. too obvious. <laughs> yeah, I like, the, uh, I like that Ryu thing. Uh, Netsune. So, Phoenix, Scorpion. Scorpion. Um, 
I wish ninjas were better. They sort of have an interesting place where a lot of people like to run Border Keep Experience, uh, which really helps them out when they go to discard all the stuff out of their problems and the Border Keep Experience can't uh, can't get them out of it. So, I mean, that really helps them give a leg up over where they were in Celestial Edition. But just the parts haven't gelled properly to be. Though I, I do hear rumors of of a Scorpion Ninja deck uh, that's actually that's really good. So, yeah, who knows? This could be outdated information that's that's wrong now in the Shadows Embrace environment. Well, we can hope. I would, it, maybe this is true of several Scorpion themes. I think this is true of a couple Scorpion themes. But yeah, ninjas, yeah. it just seem like they should... There's enough there that they should be better. And it it does. Seem, it's, it's the same thing at all, throughout all the Celestial Edition, too, right? And, I mean, they did wind up picking up, but it always seemed like they should be good, and they always played out of that weapon box in Celestial. It's like, <laughs> the scouting is so good! But it's really fun to play, especially when you get Tosan out. And, by the way, haha, I told you so to everyone out there who said that Tosan was a complete pile of garbage. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, he's actually going to be good. And, like, you know, he, he was the vile hatred. It's like, no, Tosan's good. Uh, what do I like? Beyond saying I told you so. Uh, as I say, I told you so on the theme that I didn't like. <laughs> but, uh, I like I I do like the, how the courtiers have worked out. Um, I like the scorpion actually taking the favor and dealing with the favor because it does feel more scorpiony. Not to the extent that the crane gets it, obviously, but that they can sort of use their underhanded tactics in order to get uh, imperial favor. So I am happy with how the uh, with how that deck has come out. Uh, and it's you know it's, the Scorpion Dishonor has been doing uh, it's been holding its own. Okay. Uh, it's had some success. Yes. And on the unicorn. Um, I like that the players have been so creative and like <laughs> and the unicorn players that are having success. They, I mean, they're doing well. They seem to be doing uh, doing well with really weird things. I like how Kieran's path has worked out because everyone said that would be garbage, and I thought that it was actually pretty good, and and it's had a little bit of success. Um. I think that's a really interesting, just sort of versatile stronghold. Uh, what I don't like about Unicorn, um, I mean, I wish the Commander deck was better because it didn't really get any traction in Celestial either. It's been doing okay in Emperor Edition, but I think that's also more of a, a lack of, you know, of followers and just. Uh, I think that's an environmental issue of where it is now. That's why I don't, you know, obviously the the box is good. I mean, they run there. They're Paragon decks out of it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's give short shrift to the the Oni and skip over because I have I apparently need to develop better time management skills with these interviews. The whole honor attacking into dishonor plan, aka I guess aka the Ragashi Bazaar plan. How do you think that that match has worked out in Emperor? Um, I think it's better than Celestial Edition, right? Cause, I mean, I don't think there's I don't think that today the common feeling is, I'm honor, you're dishonor, let's just roll a die now. Um, you know, if you if you properly, you know, there are answers out there where you can properly meta. I mean, it might come to a die roll if you're not if you're choosing not to use the meta or whatever. But I think, I mean, I think the dishonor, if you're not using the meta, the dishonor is going to win, uh, from all the experiences that I've had. But uh, so I, I'm happier now than it is with celestial. I know honor players they would prefer not to attack. Uh, you know, and, and I can't say that I blame them, but in a mathematical number movement up and down, you know, in order to get it done in 45 minutes, they're just mathematically, diametrically opposed. 
one of them has to turn to a different victory condition. Um, and it just, it really felt fell in, and assuming that the alternate victory condition is not enlightenment, uh, <laughs> you know, one of them's going to have to go military, and it just really fell in naturally that since we were having the dishonor scale based on personal honor, that we could also have that the military power scale on personal based on personal honor, um, and that those would be pretty proportional proportional things uh, that you could then used to fight each other in a different way. And I th- I think it's turned out I think it's turned out pretty well. You know, there's always going to be things that we wish we could change and then there will be things that we will change and then when the next arc comes out we come out with the new things. I'm going to be back here in 2 years, I guess, and say I wish I had done this different, right? I mean, yeah. I, I'm already predicting my future mistakes, but uh yeah, well, I I don't I don't know how much of a going on a limit is to predict that you're going to do something that's not perfect. <laughs> I mean, it's right, right, but I mean, I will. I was saying the other day, I will never be happy. It's like no matter how good of a place L five R is, is it? I will just never be happy. And anybody who's passionate about, they do will understand what I mean. Well, you've already mentioned the that there will likely be some sort of. Well, at least I think you did. There will be likely some sort of reduction in power level going on to the next arc. You recently said on recently we were interviewing on the Mosey report you said okay I've now started to work on the next arc is there anything in particular that is at any sort of stage that you could say anything resembling intelligent about about what you're aiming to do different with that base set than you did with Emperor Edition um it's less about the cards and more about what goes on behind the cards and then how everything falls into line with that and it's real. T- it's so up in the air. I mean, we've started. Uh, we've started our initial plans on the next base set. Uh, I'm in the process of writing uh, our guidebook of okay, this is how we're going to design it, and you know that's going to take a little while. It's over a hundred pages long, and then from there, then we'll start picking out the cards, and then we'll start play testing, and then you know the next base set play testing will begin. I don't know, some point in the next few months, and then it'll go on for a year or something. It goes on for much longer than any of the other ones. Um, but anyways, um, I digress. Uh, so it's more, like it's not, alright, well, this card's too powerful, so I'll pull that out, and that card's too powerful, let's pull out. And that's, it's like, it's more like, is the math that two cards is what you need to threaten a province the correct math? Or should it be three cards that threaten the province? Or should it be four cards? Or five cards? Or what's the proper math? Like, how many cards should I have to have in order to threaten your province? Um, so it's really more fundamental things like that that we're really looking at. And then from there, once you have the, that foundation in place, everything sort of trickles down behind it. Um, and, I mean, that's just one of the things we're looking at. And, whether, and it could be that two cards is the proper math. Um, you know, we're just... We're trying not to make any assumptions or sac- uh, sacralizing anything. We're trying not to say, well, you know, obviously, obviously, two cards are the right math. So, you know, not we won't even worry about that. You know, we're looking and examining everything and saying, did we do this right with Emperor Edition? Did we do this right? Did we do this right? Did we do this right? If you if you fix the foundation, everything else, and you have a proper plan in place, and everybody's on the same page, and all all the designers know where we want to go, and all the play testers know where we want to go, everything trickle will trickle into place more or less. Okay, we have two more. One, I have opined that the blessed mantle of the green snake was a dumb card to print. 
I give you the right of rebuttal, sir. <laughs> uh, blessed man will be in the unicorn one. Yeah, the li- limited draw card, <laughs> sort of. Sort of. Um, I wish I had a gold cost. Like, I, I think it's too good for free. Uh, I wish I had some kind of cost. Like, I, I don't mind the ability. I, I do sort of, like, we wanted to make sure, like, it's easy to, how do you make a weapon good? You make a kill thing. That's good, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that stuff's not hard. I mean, it's like, how do you make a mantle good and playable? Uh, and in our desire to make sure that this mantle, which was the leftover prize, I mean, Unicorn is the only one who didn't get the item they didn't want, they picked. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else got the item that they picked except for Unicorn. And I wanted to make sure that uh, it was still clear that you were getting it. Yeah, if I could go back, I mean, it definitely doesn't need the plus one force that it has. Uh, I mean, the, the abilities are good enough on its own. Probably plus zero force would be would be fine, along with a gold cost. I don't... <laughs> I like everything else about the card. Like, I like the... I get extra things to, t- to get the favor. I like the... Uh, I get to use the favor a little bit better. Uh... <laughs> uh. I just don't like the stats. Uh, <laughs> but it I, is what it is. This is just my show. I'm going to take, it should have one less force and cost more gold to be an admission. <laughs> <laughs> is that a victory for Chris? I, I'm going to, judge says, I'll allow it, yes. Okay, uh, last one. What deck is going to win on the main event on Sunday? Oh, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I, I didn't say you could make an intelligent, good answer to that, but you just have to pick something. Uh, as long as it's not TFT, Cali, Ma's Wrath, I take all your provinces on turn two and kill all your people. Uh, as long as we don't have a repeat from last year. Uh, I mean, it's so, I'm not even going to bother trying to predict. Um, because, I mean, he, here's the reality. Like, even the decks that are the assumed favorites coming in um, get meted, and therefore they aren't the favorites. So, like, uh, when Celestial Edition first came out, it was Phoenix Honor. I was like, oh, Phoenix Honor's going to destroy the field. And, and there was. Like crazy yeah, it got meted like crazy. And there was like two in the top 16. I don't know if any made it past. None made it past the top 8. I don't know if any even made it past top 16. Then you go back to Samurai Edition, and it was, you know, oh, Lion is just going to destroy everything. And it was like. And the only question was, how much of the top 4 is going to be Lion? And the answer was zero. Uh, <laughs> so, so I mean, it, you just, you never know. Uh, I mean, it would be nice. Unicorn and Mantis are the only two clans, I believe, not to have picked up a world championship. Unicorn obviously picking up the European champion and Samurai champions, but never a world championship. Um, though I guess Gen Con this year isn't a world championship. But Unicorn has never won Gen Con, and neither has Mantis. And it would be nice to see one of those uh, come out. And I think with Kalani's landing, we've set the stage to <laughs> to uh, make that happen. I think Unicorn will also stand a chance, but we'll see. Okay, so I, I heard a Kalani's landing in there. We'll call that your answer. <laughs> right, thank you for showing up, and uh, we'll do this again next year, I imagine. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Strange Assembly. You can download more episodes of Strange Assembly on iTunes or from our website at www.strangeassembly.com. While you're at our website, you can check out the frequently updated main page or talk with us on the forums. You can also email me directly at chris at strangeassembly.com or you can follow Strange Assembly on Facebook or Twitter Strange assembly either place. Thanks for listening.